Thank you. Um, I have a, I don't know who to look at. So <laughs> I'm going to call you. I have a uh, comment, and then I also have a couple of questions. Um, my first, my first comment is, you know, we live in one of the wealthiest counties in the United States. Um, so where wealth is considered as, as a status thing. So I, I think referencing low income people as could be, I don't know, it could be sensitive for some people. I mean, maybe we can refer to like maybe disadvantaged. Um, just our disadvantaged residents or disadvantaged areas. We can ask Daniel, uh, Daniel to clarify what definition income levels get, because you're right. I mean, low income. For I low can income imagine housing, I was a low income person and you mean $100,000 in this county. So no, that's yeah, absolutely. That's right. cool. yeah. Teachers are low income people. Right. So yeah. can you imagine like a teacher like, oh my God, you know, we're, so that's why it's, Daniel, I would imagine some of our own employees here, yeah. you know. So do you address <laughs> briefly? Yeah, so to be clear, when, we, when we're referencing low-income people in these graphics, what we mean is people who live in households that are at or below 150% of the federal poverty level. So what that means in terms of Santa Cruz County and the living costs that you have in your county is people who are severely disadvantaged based on their income, right? People who are probably experiencing significant challenges um, in, general, in general in their livelihood. And the thing is that, you know, despite the fact that Santa Cruz County is, in fact, one of the wealthiest counties in uh, the, in the nation. There are still rather significant numbers of people um, who live um, in households with very low incomes. And that's why, you know, and we are we want to make sure that we are representing um, that constituency within our analysis and within our thought process. It's also um, a requirement of federal civil rights law to make sure that any changes um, that are done by transit agencies to service uh, don't disproportionately impact um, people of color or low-income residents. So we're trying to make sure that we do this right, both you know for the both because we know that the, a lot of people in those households are um, within the core constituency of people who really need metro on a regular basis, um, and also to make sure we're doing morally the right thing and to make sure that we're following um, civil rights law. No, I understand the federal so standard. It's not area meeting. Oh, okay, so that's that's a federal like definition. Okay, yes. Um, Okay. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, it's not scalable. I can imagine, you know, just it, it could be intimidating to approach this topic at all if, you know, you were somebody who was struggling. So if you're already being placed, like, oh, hey, you know, you're the low income person. Um, and uh, my other ones are um, is it possible for the 79 to, uh, instead of cut through Parkway, go to, to um, the roundabout on Riverside and then come back and then go down college um, because it is cutting through a residential neighborhood and I've been getting um, some complaints and I just want to see if there's a remedy that we could do. I think people are noticing the, the, the increase of frequency, so it's um, and it's only going to get become more. So that would be awesome. That one's not going to change going forward, but it did double. It was hourly and now it's yes. every twice an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've gotten the same complaint. We go back there because there's people that we're trying to serve back there. No, absolutely. Yeah. To East Lake and to the corner. But what can we look at that? Uh, maybe that different. Because I think if we cut that part out, I think we'll solve a lot of that. Yeah. We'll if solve you that could problem. Then the specific routing suggestion. Okay. I'll do that for you for sure. And then also, I brought this up before on college. I do see people standing um, on the hillside. That's kind of mud, dirt. It's funny mud at this point with all the rain. But, um, it seems a little dangerous for our riders to be like kind of standing there where they can get, you know, 
swiped by a Camino, which drive fast. So, you know, so it's still these little roads. And so, um, but if, I, if we can get a, bot, a bus stop there, that'd be great. Sure. Thanks. And I know you've got another person to tell that too, but no, someone over here is listening, right? <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> A couple of things. First of all, I don't think we're one of the wealthiest counties in the country, so we'd love to have a stand on that. We're far from it. Right. What? We're not. We're I mean, we're tenth in the state. So, and that's that's not one of the wealthiest counties in the country. Yeah. No, not by far. If we're tenth in the state, we get a stat that'll be really clear about where we stand in relation. You know, what? Oh my God. This is the disconnect. We're not the poorest, but we're, we're this not is the, the disconnect. Anyway, okay. Um, when we started this process a while ago, our first idea was to like figure out if we took our current service, had to make a hard choice, did we favor frequency or distribution? And pretty overwhelmingly, I think, if not unanimously, we said we want frequency. But we imagined at the time that the result would be certain people are going to go like, hey, things are getting worse for me. I'm not very happy about this. Thankfully, we took a different approach. And what we're doing is like expanding our service at the same time we're making this choice. So we're putting the majority of our resources into frequency, and there are a lot fewer people who are um, getting screwed over or losing some service that they might have had. I wonder if you could give us some kind of an idea that, even given what we're doing now, who is being disadvantaged by this? Who might we expect? Hearing when they actually change the service, mm -hmm. things begin to move. We're going to be here, you know, with pitchforks and, and, uh, and torches, telling us that we're restoring life. I mean, uh, we've been out, we've been out uh, for various months, right, doing outreach. We haven't seen the pitchforks yet, but there's still time. Um, these numbers that that Daniel walked through, the access analysis and the proximity to transit, because there's no shrinkage of the network, nobody loses service, right? So it's just. Certain places gain more than other places, right? But the actual network itself is not changing. We're just investing, as you said, in areas where there's higher demand, where we see more potential for growth. So this plan does lean heavily into frequency, but it does so in a way that it brings half of the county, really, within a 15-minute walk chart of 15-minute service, right? Frequency is freedom. So it, it does lean heavily into that. And Daniel, maybe you can add a little more color to, to the question. Yeah, I, I think the big picture uh, that you mentioned is correct, right? But so there were, um, I think that th there were some fairly significant changes to um, to where the bus went and how the routes are organized in December. Um, and then what's being proposed uh, between now and September is largely increases over current service levels um, all in the same areas. Um, there is one big thing that we are putting in here that is worthy of um, consideration and that we really want to, you know, that, that we've been putting out there in these meetings and making sure that people hear about it and understand. Um, and that is we're really changing the way that east-west travel works um, on the transit network. So at the moment, um, you have routes one and two that go from Watsonville all the way to Santa Cruz, and they're these very long local routes they have some reliability issues due to their length, but they do kind of provide um, a zero transfer trip between many different possible origins and destinations. Um, the cost of that is that your west side routes are very isolated. Um, if you're on the west side, you're going to have to transfer to go anywhere not on the west side. 
Um, and so what's being proposed here is that we're trying to bridge some of that gap by, first of all, speeding up the trips that are from Watsonville all the way into Santa Cruz, which, you know, are a significant portion of the demand on routes one and two, um, and speeding up the trips between the west side and the east side by joining um, the one, two, three on the east side with the 18, 19, and well, I guess still three on the, on the west side. And that means that between Watsonville and Santa Cruz, we are creating this one split in service at Cabrillo College. And we are proposing to basically um, mitigate that split by with all these increases in frequencies so that people's average wait times on cross-county trips don't change, even if they're not going quite between the center of Watsonville and Santa Cruz. Um, but I think that there's a legitimate question as to, like, is was that, was that the right choice to make um, in increasing frequencies? And I think that's something that, depending on the feedback we receive, um, may change a little bit between the draft and the final. Um, I think the intention of increasing the 90x to all-day service is fairly baked in at this point. Um, I haven't heard any negative feedback about that. But, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that was my elaboration. And today we haven't heard much about the transfer issue, um, but we've had, we have heard some about some feedback around specific trips, particularly around Freedom Center and rural freedom. So previously to phase one, our most frequent cross-county route went the rural freedom route, right, the 71. We flipped that. We put all the frequency through the more densely populated areas, Watsonville, Freedom, Lincoln, Main Street, and then those routes get on the freeway. And we have heard from people that used to ride the 71 that it's just not frequent enough. And we are increasing in March the 73 to every half hour uh, from every hour. Um, and the second piece of that is a, con a direct connection from uh, Freedom Center to Capitola Mall. And so I think one change we'll present when we come back in March is extending the 73 from Cambrio to Capitola Mall. And that seemed to satisfy at least the people we talked to so far. Um, th those are those are kind of the, the most uh, kind of pointed comments against the, the plan or in response to the plan so far. Um, a couple of questions. Jimmy, I wanted to follow up. And, and this is an interesting thing. It feels like it's been more than 30 years that I can recall where we increased frequency and it generated complaints about buses in the neighborhood. Is, am I understanding? Yeah, it, because it, this is going through that certain neighborhood, yeah. Okay, but there are neighborhoods where we're trying to increase access and hopefully people will get on the bus. Larry, I'm br I brought up one neighborhood oh, on the street. And I know, one, I, I know of one on the west side of Santa Cruz where there were complaints in the 80s when service was increased on High Street. Mm -hmm. So noisy buses going by. Just curious. Um, the other questions had to do with driver time behind the wheel. Some of these routes look very long and I was curious you know, like maybe the route three from origin to destination and back, how much time might there be for the driver before they get a break? And that leads to a question of, are the September improvements in phase two dependent on uh, a layover spot at UCSC? It looks like one, two, and three terminate and then go back out. Can you update us on that? Yeah, uh, so those last two questions are directly related Part of the rationale behind this network was to even out uh, operator time behind the wheel across the network. So the old 71 could do up to an hour and 40 minutes one way, right? By, by splitting the routes more in the middle of the district, we're evening that out on both sides, east and west, and creating more even uh, total run times uh, between routes. But 
making that happen is completely dependent on identifying a, a layover location at UCSC. So if we're having really positive discussions with, with UCSC and TAPS about where that location can be and, and, if, and getting that ready for September, if it doesn't happen, we know from the experience of Route 3 right now that we can't operate this network without doing that. So, yeah. Okay, we, we won't. When you said seven days a week, weekdays, weekends, does that include holidays? We got that question a couple times this week. We honestly hadn't considered it, uh, but we'll, we're, we'll consider it now. We were considering Saturday, Sunday. We, hadn't, we didn't think about changing the holiday plan of service. Well, holidays will let you reach people that would normally take the bus. Mm -hmm. This is where the parking is, isn't great. Plus, if you got to work on the holiday, you still have to get there. Um, so some of these routes still won't have super frequent service and the longer somebody waits for the bus, I believe the better the shelter should be. You were talking about, you know, signs in the dirt next to the road. And I just would like to, to make sure that while we're doing this, that we can accommodate people and care for them while they're waiting because they might not take it otherwise, or especially if they have to wait in certain areas for a little bit longer than some of the less frequent routes. Um, so I have a friend who just can't stand the 3B anymore because it's unreliable, blah, 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 multiple times. And it kind of started to get me thinking about some of the other challenges, the, the learning curve for this whole project. You know, Jimmy was mentioning a street. I know in Aptos, we've got a street now where it's a residential neighborhood and there's been some complaints about speeding and stopping and all that. Uh, with regard to Cabrillo, um, since there's a lot more emphasis there, is there is there a way to work with Cabrillo to provide a little bit better um, facilities so that maybe some of these other neighborhoods are impacted? Um, that's a question. But the other one is, is are you running into some other challenges that you're going to have to deal with with moving some of these routes um, and how have you been sort of working on those uh, the, the two that were mentioned today were the only ones that have come up so far around okay. resident complaints non-customers upset about more yeah. buses coming through um, the reason that the 73 is doing that route is because we wanted to make the transfer as convenient as people for customers at Cabrillo College in order to do that the last stop inbound happens at the same location that buses that continue inbound, the one and two go, and then it goes around the block, comes back. If we just loop the backside of Cabrillo, people would have to run across Soquel to get from one direction to the other. So we didn't want to do that. We've heard a lot of complaints. We may need to consider that. That would come at the expense of convenience <clears throat> to our customers having to do that. Um, so, so, those are, so far, those are the only two locations uh where those types of concerns have come up and i do think in the plan that we'll bring in march you'll see the 73 extend to capitola mall so we'll, we won't be dealing with that issue anymore going forward yeah we also won't probably resolve the issue but it will help when we're totally electric if the bus comes That's nice yeah hydrogen yeah. 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 Uh, on the shelters, yeah, we need to improve the whole experience for people. We we got a let's call it a clean California grant to upgrade 23 shelters throughout the district, and then we also have funding through our TERSIP award last year for 35 shelters on SoCal uh, between Watsonville and Santa Cruz. 
And so it'll take some time to get those projects on the ground. The 23 shelters will be in place by the end of the year. The tourism grant's going to take probably two to three years to, to upgrade those. But that's a great point. Uh, the whole experience needs to be needs to work for people, not just a frequency. Another area that I've been hearing in uh, campaign forums talking about someone's of Valley in the north end of town, not, you know, the, I, the impression everyone there in the forums have talked about only having one hour of service every hour. And obviously the shelters in, in that area are really dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, every nine is, has always been. Nice. I don't even know how yeah, to prove it because yeah. there's no room. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, the whole North County, that's the thing we're hearing is they feel neglected. And it sounds as though even I wasn't as clear on it that there would be an improvement in 30 minutes. On the weekend, so, so seven days a week, 30 minutes. But, yeah, yeah the, the, uh, what I was hearing from parents is kids and things and not being able, it doesn't work for school, it doesn't hit the timing, isn't, yeah. you know, but. Yeah. Well, we could potentially like to add more school terms for this <clears throat> up in the valley. Uh, it's like you said, it's a really challenging area. There's one one road and now it's one lane. Right, right. And North County's been a neglected area because of logistics. Yeah, although historically it's had some of the most frequent service and like 30 minutes and 35 and the 71 were the most frequent routes outside of the UC service area. So by metro standards, it was always kind of the most frequent service. We're not and I think not San Lorenzo, not up in Boulder Creek in that area. Well, where it splits, right past Boulder yeah. Creek. Yeah. Um, but we we heard the concern. We we have some uh, San Lorenzo Valley residents come to the Santa Cruz meeting to share those concerns, uh, and so we'll consider additional tweaks to this plan going forward. I totally understand the temperature, but did say Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was you better here. I just want to, so per the U.S. Census Bureau, there are 3,144 counties. Santa Cruz ranks 78th per capita, and they also rank 90th per median income. That puts us in the top 2% in the country. So to me, that is one of the wealthiest country, counties in the country. So I just want to be clear. I'm not here making numbers up, you know. What time back you Well, you brought it up, and, you know, it was some off of a comment that I had made, so I'm just clarifying it. That's actually a statistic that I'm going to start using more often. <laughs> um, any additional questions or comments? Yes, please. Uh, well, I was up on the summit recently and got a question whether the 17 bus could ever make a stop again at um, summits and Highway 17. I also that same night drove back and it's like, this is a challenging intersection. Yeah, I especially the Coming into Santa Cruz, that ramp is, yeah. I don't know how you turn around there. <clears throat> um, but did you evaluate that at all? Uh, we've evaluated that in the past. We've gotten that comment before. And like you said, it's it's just a really challenging area to turn us around. Uh, it doesn't really seem feasible. There is a small park and ride lot there, right, with a couple of spaces, uh, but you're not going to get people kind of walking in from the neighborhood, so to speak. So. Probably not. Um, and then with the map, the, and then it's like how far you can get in 60 minutes or 45 minutes. I think I remember from previous presentations that that is 
total trip length, right? Us walking to the walk stop, waiting for the bus. It assumes that you don't look at the schedule, that you just walk to the bus stop and show up right yeah. It's but intended it's, to be comparable to your experience on any other mode where, you know, you would just leave your home when you leave your home, which could be at any random time. Thank you. And that's where, the, obviously, the frequency improvements improve the drop time. Uh, I have a couple questions as well. Um, one is about Route 55, and it looks like in March it goes all the way over to the Capitola Mall, and then come September it's going to terminate at Cabrillo College, but then one or two will pick you up and take you wherever you need to go in that direction. Sure. So I've heard some comments recently about that, but it's not about the termination at Cabrillo or the fact that it's not going to go further. It's the fact that if you get on 55 in Aptos or Rio Del Mar, you have to go all the way out to La Selva and then circle back to get to somewhere like Cabrillo College. And so I'm wondering if there's any consideration in that becoming a two-way route um so that those who might otherwise want to be going north don't first have to go south yeah we really try <laughs> we'll keep trying the streets through rio del mar and as you're getting out to la selva they're just not set up in a lot of locations for two-way service in terms of places where we could put a bus stop there are some locations um mm. the benefit of shortening the route to cabrillo is it'll come more frequent it'll actually be every hour not every hour 30 45 we've kind of changed it on route 55 yeah so it'll be it'll be more frequent at least hourly most people will have to transfer we'll keep working on it to see if we can do bi-directional service bi-directional service though may mean less frequent because um, we have to add more resources to the route um but yeah Okay, and then um, the other thing I was curious about hearing is since we're almost at the completion in phase one with the West Side UCSC, have we received any feedback on that? Uh, were there any unexpected challenges? Is it just all good news so far? <laughs> it's mixed. <laughs> the, the main challenge we've been having on Route 3, so our, our first foray into the East-West connection, is just the reliability. And it's a function of not having a, a place to stop the bus, a terminal on campus. And so, as uh, Director Pegler mentioned, it's a really long seat, really long time for the operator of the bus, sometimes upwards of two hours. We're experiencing a lot of delays. So, it, it doesn't work as a round trip, basically. So, that's uh, getting to a terminal on campus is really key to the implementation of the rest of this idea uh, that we're laying out at this plan. So, some growing pains on the operations, although, and I don't have great ridership data yet. Uh, we, we did submit the quarterly report, but it only had a couple of days of phase one implementation in the last quarter's ridership. Um, you know, we knew beforehand that about a quarter of live oak residents on the 66, or live oak uh, boardings on the 66 and 68 were UCSC headed. And that seems to be at least holding steady, if not increasing. Anecdotally, I see a lot of students and maybe other faculty staff continuing on those three routes through downtown. So that was the whole point. Seems to be working. We'll wait for more data to see if it's really doing what we thought it would do. Great. And then my final comment, I'm not 100% sure that this is even the right time to address this, but it was brought to me and I think that I want to mention it now that we're talking about routes. Um, someone approached me about um, bus service at Juvenile Hall. And that when young people are having their hearings at Juvenile Hall, one of the things that's taken into consideration is whether or not there is adult presence there for them to uh, provide support and if that support will carry on outside of their uh, time there. And so um, because quite often 
those from disadvantaged communities are more impacted by the criminal justice system. Uh, I'm wondering if there is an opportunity at some point for us to look at the equity, um, the possibility of equity impacts and creating some kind of stop at some point at the juvenile hall to provide more access uh, to folks who might need to be there for the youth that are incarcerated in their hearings. Yeah, we'll, try to, we'll consider it for the next couple of weeks if we put final touches on that plan. I might follow up time machine if that was ever considered in the past or yes it was yeah yeah, yeah. wasn't there an issue with the so <laughs> no we conserved it um we had the route 30 previously which served grant hill into scotts valley um it was less than one rider per hour huh. and was one of the first things we cut in the run that's the good idea it just wasn't used but we did used to serve that area great all right, uh, any further questions or comments on this item? Okay, seeing none, we'll take it out to public comment. Thank you. Do you have any